Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. Well, good morning. If you will open your Bibles to Mark chapter 11, and we can take our time. Yeah, that's it. Off the thing. That's good. That's good. Okay. We are no longer having, you know, the two-minute greeting period, but um, well, they were doing great in putting it up there. That's good. Do you have faith in God? That's the key thing. In God. Do you have faith in God? And faith is basically what we trust in, and we trust in God. Do you trust in God would be another way to put it. How much do you trust in God? Can your trust in God improve? Can you improve your faith, in other words? Can, you, can your faith grow? These are questions that you need to be able to answer. And I know that our faith can grow. We can grow our faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Is that correct? Yeah. So we want to continually be in the word and we want to continue to be building our faith, our trust in our Lord Jesus Christ because he is faithful. Is that correct? In the previous messages, we have been talking about reaching out to others. And this is the sixth message out of seven. Reaching out to others. Is it important to reach out to others? And I hope by now, after five messages, you'll say, well, yes, you have made that point very clear. We're supposed to be reaching out to others in this culture, and and we are supposed to really be thinking that, my goodness, culture is changing. It's changing. It's not like it used to be uh, in in, in the uh, 40s. Is that correct? Some of you, some of you are here, you know, you know about the 40s. It's not like it was in the 60s. It's not like it was in the early 80s. It's changing from the 90s. Now, I know all of you were born before, before 1990, is that right? Except, <laughs> except Janae. <laughs> Janae was not born in 1990. Okay. So we know that we have a culture that's changing, how are we supposed to respond to this culture? How are we supposed to respond? How are we supposed to respond to a culture that's changing, that's getting further and further away from God? How is the church supposed to respond to that? How are we supposed to respond to people that believe different than we believe? Because the culture now, they really don't believe the things of the Word of God. How are we going to relate to them? How are we going to relate to people in our workplaces? How are we going to relate to people in the, in the supermarket? How are we going to relate to people as we go out to restaurants? How are we going to relate to people if we're supposed to reach out to people? How are we going to relate to them? How are we going to relate to people that come into the church that don't believe just like you believe? Because there's a culture of people that, that they don't believe like you believe, that they believe they want to be in church, though. Are you going to allow them to come to church? Are you going to frown upon them? Are you going to not speak to them? How, how, what are you going to do if they have, you know, uh, piercings, they have all these type of things, they have beliefs even that is different from you have? You know, they, they, might, they might not believe like you believe. Do you think we have a culture that really don't believe what the Bible says? Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you want them in church? Are you sure? (laughs) Are you sure? 
Yes, you do. Jesus does. He wants them in church because it said in 2 Timothy 2.4, you remember? Uh, 1 Timothy 2.4, what does it say? He desires that all men be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. He desires that. So you need to invite them and, and, and we need to be able to respond. We need to be able to respond to a, a culture that they believe in living together rather than getting married at first until they get ready. They, they, they want to test the car out before they buy it. Do you believe this is a culture that they they believe in living together rather than getting married at first? Yeah. <clears throat> Do you want them in church? I heard about two yeses at that time. <laughs> we had all sorts of beliefs out there, don't we? All sorts of beliefs. Do you really want them in church? See, I believe that hearing the word of God would change anybody. I believe that. The word of God has to be to change people. If the word doesn't change anybody, then why read it? It changes. It, it changes you even before you get saved. If you hear it enough, God is drawing. Why would a person come to church anyway? If they know they don't, don't necessarily believe what, it, what, what the Bible teaches, they're being drawn. God wants us to reach out. He wants us to reach out. So that's what we've been talking about, reaching out. We're ambassadors. We are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, yet we're here on earth. We are not uh, we're in, the, in the world, but we're not of the world. So we know we're supposed to reach out. Now today, we're going to talk about your theology or let's say your belief about prayer and what you believe. Do you know that you need to be sure of what you believe when you pray for people? Because people, you remember we talked about, that's an easy way to reach out to people. Somebody, um, would you like for me to pray for you? Because if you ask them how they're doing or whatever the situation might be, they might, uh, you might overhear them saying that, they have a headache, they have this going on, they have hey, can I pray for you? You need to make sure that you believe scripturally. You need to make sure you believe scripturally when you're going to pray for people. You don't want to pray uh, things that's unscriptural. Do you have faith in God? Do you really trust God? Mark 11. 11. Let's start there. Mark 11. 11. Jesus entered Jerusalem and came into the temple. And after looking around at everything, he left for Bethany, Bethany with the twelve, since it was already late. On the next day when they left, had left Bethany, and, and, and they, came, they became hungry. Seeing at a distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if perhaps he would find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, but it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples were listening. Then they came to Jerusalem and they entered the temple and began to drive out those who were buying and selling in the temple. Now, I wanted to lay the foundation for, for, for what I'm going to show you over here is that even though he was speaking prophetically, even though he was speaking uh, about something that not the disciples didn't even know what he was talking about probably, they didn't ask him a question of what, what, what are you saying? Why did you curse the fig tree? Why did you say that about the fig tree? They didn't ask that question, and we, we're not speaking today on the underlying message of what that is and talking about what he said there, but we want to go over a little further and see what happened to it. As they were passing by in the morning, in verse 20, 
They saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. Being reminded, Peter said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered. So he says, he says Master, which is a high honor, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered. Why do you think he was amazed that it had withered? Jesus said, no one's going to eat fruit from you again. He's probably surprised that it happened so soon. Then it says, in verse 22, And Jesus answered, saying to them, Have faith in God. Now that have is in the present imperative Meaning that it's continuous action. It's not one-time thing, have faith in God, and you got it. Don't worry about it anymore. It's continue to have faith in God. Keep having faith in God. Keep having faith in God. Keep having faith in God. It's a continual, repeated thing. Keep having faith in God. That's what he said. Do we have faith in God? That's the question. Do we really have that trust in God? Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that he, what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. Hmm. So he's telling us here, he was telling the disciples, he's telling us, You need to have faith in God. If you say something, expect it to happen. Don't doubt in your mind. Don't doubt in your emotions. Don't doubt, don't, don't, don't doubt in your heart. If you don't doubt, but believe what you say is going to come to pass, it's going to happen. Therefore, I say to you, all things which you pray and ask, believe, that's a continuous, keep believing, keep believing, keep believing that you have received them and it will be granted to you. Do you have faith? That type of faith in God. Do I have that type of faith in God? As we go out, we're going to have to have faith in God. We're going to have faith because we have, you remember I I said last week, we need to try to minister to people's felt needs. If if somebody is sick, we need to be able to, we, we need to pray for them. If they need food, we need to try to get them food. If they need clothing, we need to try to get them clothing. We need to try to fulfill needs of people because that's what God wants us to do. It's scriptural. We should be doing that. And people do have needs. They do have needs. So I don't know a lot of ways to fulfill some needs except pray. Because, see, and you want to pray whether you, whether you have the finances or whether you have whatever, you want to pray because sometimes we invert, and we, we, what we do is sometimes we ignore our God by saying that, well, the scripture says if you have something and somebody asks you, give it to them. Well, that's scripture, but we know that the Holy Spirit wants to lead and guide us. And we know that that you don't give somebody something every time they ask you something because whatever they may be asking you, God might be dealing with that person and he doesn't want you to uh, give them anything because they are using people. You know what I'm saying? So you have to be led by the Holy Spirit also in these things. I don't know where of God. Do you have faith in God? I know that I need to Increase my faith. I know that. I know I must do that. Let's look over in chapter 10. Let's start in verse 46. And let's look at this person, uh, blind Bartimaeus. Let's look at him. Verse 46. Then they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, and a large crowd 
a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. So we have Jesus leaving Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd. And here's a blind person was sitting by the road. When he heard that it was Jesus, the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. This is a blind man. This is a blind man. He heard that Jesus is passing. And even though he may be blind, he's, he can see spiritually. Because of what he said. He said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So he knew that this was the Messiah. He knew that this was the person. He knew that, my goodness gracious, here is the only one. This is God in the flesh coming right by me. I'm going to get what I need. Many were sternly telling him, Shh, be quiet. But he kept crying out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Do you think that moved Jesus at all? That here is somebody that knows more, even though he's blind, than some of the supposedly learned People didn't even know. And they could see. They didn't believe he was the Messiah. But here, this blind man believed that. And he says, so in 49, it says, Jesus stopped. He stopped. And he's on his way to Jerusalem. He stopped. And said, call him here. So they called the blind man. These are the ones that are sternly telling him to be quiet. And saying to him, take courage. Stand up. He's calling you. Now that their tone changes now. They were first, you know, getting on him about be quiet. Now that Jesus has stopped and wants to minister to him, now they're saying, take courage, take courage, take courage, take courage, take courage. Stand up. He's calling you. Get the throwing off, throwing aside his cloak. He jumped up and came to Jesus. Now, it did not say that, I don't think it's up there, that he reluctantly got up and said, hey, hey, somebody, hey, somebody, uh, uh, lead, lead me, uh, grab my hand. He didn't say that, did he? He did what? He jumped up. He threw off his, his cloak. I wonder what was he thinking? Was he thinking, well, here's another disappointment. Let me go see what he wants. What do you think? No. No. Here's a man that was crying out to the Messiah. He knew that if he could get his attention, he knew the capabilities of Jesus. He knew that if, 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 he, if he ever said anything, he came over and just touched me. If he ever recognized me, I'm going to have my sight. So that's why he threw off his cloak. That's why he jumped up. That's why he didn't need, to, need anybody to, to, you know, guide him anything. He just jumped up. He just, he just went. You know, uh, he, he's going. He's going. Nobody can help this man but Jesus. Do you know that nobody can help us but Jesus? 
when we come to Jesus, whatever our need is, his need was his sight. That's what he wanted. What are we willing to throw off? You know, one, one uh, a person said that, that, you know, that, that he had a beggar's garb, garment and he threw the beggar's garment off. And so that's why he, un, he understood that, that um, hey, I'm not going to be blind anymore. Um, but regardless, it said cloak. He threw the cloak off. What are we going to discard? What are we going to throw off to come get what we need from Jesus? What are we willing to throw off? Are we willing to throw off sin? I'm just asking. Do we have a need for anything? Do we have a need for anything? Do we, do we feel guilty because of something? Are we willing to throw off that? Are we empty? Are, are we willing to trust Jesus to say, Jesus, I trust you. I have faith in you. Are we willing to say that? But whatever our need is, whether it be our children, whether it be our marriage, whether it be our finance, whether it be our job, whatever it is, are we willing to say, I trust you, God. I trust you. Fifty-one, verse 51. And answering him, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? I wonder what would happen if he said, well, my brother, he keeps picking on me because I'm blind. Would you tell my brother to stop picking on me? You think he would have got his sight? No, he wouldn't have gotten his sight. He would have got what he asked for. Do we sometimes ask for things that we really don't really need? Instead of asking for that which we do need, and, we'll, and, and if we get that, everything else will go away. And the blind man said to him, Lord, in King James Version, said, I want to regain my sight. That's what he said. And Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. And immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. That, that is, that's, that's, that's a tremendous, tremendous thing there. Because this man had trust that Jesus Christ, if he recognized him, he's going to get what he wanted. And once he got what he wanted, he didn't now go his way and go tell all his friends that now I have my sight. I was blind, but now I see. What he did was follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. I know a lot of times, too many times, I have gotten the things that I wanted and didn't show the the probably the necessary appreciation for the one who gave it to me. God wants us to be thankful. He wants us to show appreciation. He wants to meet more than just our need for whether it be our sight, whether it be our health, whether it be what it is. He wants a relationship with us. He wants intimacy with us. He wants us to be one with him. He wants everything we have. Our whole heart. Just like we said last week, our whole heart, our whole mind, our whole strength. He wants everything. Is that true? Everything. And sometimes we get what we want and we don't follow him that way. How many of you at Christmas time uh, somebody asks you, well, what you want, sweetheart? And you say, well, I want some tools. You know? Or I want you know, this, I want that. And you get what you want, but it's not something that we show that much appreciation for. 
for the one who gave it to us, which is Jesus. He just used uh, whoever that gave us something. God wants us to be appreciative. This is a great time of year to be appreciative because we all want gifts this Christmas, don't we? And I know those who say, I don't want anything. I don't need anything. Well, husband, if you hear your wife say that, don't listen. <laughs> because you're going to be in trouble <laughs> after Christmas you don't get anything. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. Do we have faith in God? Like blind Bartimaeus did. Do we have that type of faith? Uh, uh, there's another instance where this person these four men, they were, they were, they were uh, taking this person, a paralytic, paralytic on, on, a, on a cart, on, on a uh, blanket, on a pallet, and taking him to, to Jesus. They couldn't get in the house, so they went on the roof, took the roof uh, apart there, and, and let him down there in his midst. And he said, Jesus said, seeing their faith, then, see, he dealt with the, the, the person. He, the person, he said, get up and walk. But he saw the faith of the people who were taking the man. It took a lot of faith to take some out of the roof apart. Doesn't it? So it's not necessarily only the faith of the person who has a need. In, in Blind Bartimaeus, we see it was his faith. In the person, uh, I could take it to Mark 2 where it was, but I don't want to go there. Uh, it was the faith of the people who was carrying him. So what I'm trying to minister today is that we don't have uh, rubber stamps to, and, and, and patterns to say, this is the way you do it. Because as you're praying for people, as you're going out, I want you to have, a, have in your mind uh, scripturally that God is the one who does different things. It's not us, it's God. It's God that does it. Let, let's go to a place in Matthew. Let's go there. Matthew 8 and in verse 14. Let's go there. Because in, in even in the in Isaiah, in the prophets, it was, it was teaching, it was saying that, that when, when Jesus came, that he would heal the blind. The blind would see, the lame would walk. Jesus, he did those things that were spoken of in the Old Testament about him. Let's start in verse 14. When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick in bed with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she got up and waited on him. Now, here's a person that uh, he came in. Uh, there's no account right here that the mother-in-law said, Hey, Jesus, hey, hey, you've been keeping Peter out all the time. Won't you come and do something for me now since you've been keeping him away all this time? Uh, no, she didn't say anything, but Jesus saw that the lady was sick. She had a fever. She was in bed. He ministered to her need. Are we going to do that? Are we going to minister to people's need? Are we going to have faith enough in God, trust enough in God to minister to people's need when we see one? And it says that he touched her hand and the fever left. She got up and waited on him. When evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word. With a word. And healed all who were ill. Not some, but all. So he was casting out unclean spirits. He was healing all who were sick. He was compassionate on the people who were bringing uh, their sick to him. Why was he doing that? Why was he doing that? Verse 17. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. He himself 
took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. Now that word infirmities would mean the weaknesses from the disease itself. Because to carry away somebody's diseases to, to heal a disease, a person can be weak. They can have, have suffered many things because of they, they, they were sick. But not only did he heal the disease, but he also took care of the weaknesses that came about because of the disease. That's what it says. And that's in Isaiah also. That's in Isaiah 53.4. That's what Jesus did. Now, I like that because I know that he can still... Jesus still heals people. Does he? Does he? I mean, we heard a testimony of that last week, didn't we? We heard a testimony from another person the week before that, didn't we? We had Laura the week before that. We had Zeta last week, didn't we? And both were healed of two different things. Is that correct? Now, we're dealing with now this that Zeta said. She made a comment. She said, well, man, I'm so glad that God healed me of of my, you know, the, the problem I had, couldn't lift my arm and thing like that. But, but uh, he, he, didn't, he, he didn't choose to heal something that's been wrong with me for 19 years. Did you hear, you remember that? Yeah. Do you believe that's possible? That you can be healed one thing, not something else? Sure. Sure. Okay, let's, let's, let's go a little further now, because even though we have the scripture now, what is going to be your thought pattern when you go to minister to people as you go out. What are you going to be? What, what are you going to be thinking? Because I believe that so many people believe that. Well, you know, I'm not going to pray because I think that nothing's going to happen. I believe that so many people are afraid to do that because they don't think something will happen. They don't think that. Well, it was a case when Jesus was at his home, his own hometown. Could he do a lot of miracles there? No. Why not? Because of unbelief. Because of unbelief. Do you have faith? But I want to caution you also, though, Please, when you minister to people, whatever their need is, whether it be they need rent, they need uh, their child healed, they need their child saved, they need their marriage healed, they need uh, whatever they need, please don't tell them, well, I'm going to pray. If nothing happens, realize that it's probably because you have weak faith. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. Now, scripturally, you know that to be true because we already said from Mark chapter 2 that the, that the four men who had the, the, the paralytic on a, on a cart that let him down through the roof, whose faith was it? Theirs. It was not the paralytic. We know blind Bartimaeus was his faith. So you don't hear people say, if I pray and nothing happens, it's my faith is not strong enough. Nobody ever says that. They always put it on the other person. Okay. If, 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 they, if they don't think their faith is strong enough, they're just not going to pray. They're just not going to pray. But I believe that God wants us to pray. Whatever the person needs is, he wants us to pray. Let's go to Acts. Oh, this is a good one. Acts chapter 3. Let's go there. I'm trying to help us as we go out to not to have a wrong scriptural interpretation. And thereby 
hurt people or get hurt, our, hurt, hurt ourselves. There are many people who are outside of churches today that got hurt by Christians who said things to them about the reason why they are not healed or something, the reason God's not doing something in their life, the reason why their children are not saved, the reason why they're having problems is because of their sin or because of this or that. Um, Don't tell people that because, number one, you don't know. Because you're not going to tell me that, that, that everybody that Jesus healed, don't tell me that everybody had, nobody had sin. Don't tell me that. Because I know, I know they had sin. So, so I, we, we want to try to caution you <laughs> to try to have a, a good theology, okay, about things. In verse, um, in chapter 3, verse 1, we have here where Peter and John were going uh, up to the temple at our prayer, and we had a man who had been lame from his mother's womb. Uh, let's look at verse 6. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk and season him by the right hand, uh, you don't want to have a have start saying, well, we got to grab him by the right hand. If you don't grab him by the right hand and grab him by the left, you, you don't miss the scripture. Uh, don't, don't do that either. Okay, don't do that either. This is just, um, God didn't put it there for that. He raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. With a leap, he stood up and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they were uh, taking note of him as being the one who used to sit by the beautiful gate of the temple to beg alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he was clinging to Peter and John, all the people ran together, to them at the so-called portico of Solomon, full of amazement. This is very important. Verse 12. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, Men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Or why do you gaze at us as if by our own dunamis of power, or piety, or holiness, the King James will say, or our devotion to God, which is the meaning of piety, we had made him walk. Do you believe that? See, some people believe that if this person, if, if they are holy enough, if they, you know, are, de- are very devoted to God, if they read enough, pray enough, then when they pray for somebody, they'll get healed. This tells me that it is not by our holiness, our devotion to God, that a person is going to get healed. If that's so, then it, is, it will be us. It is not us. That's healing anybody. It's not us who's calling, who's helping somebody, who uh, uh, son, daughter, grandmama, uh, marriage to, to be healed. It's not us. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And God does not want us to have our minds on us. He wants us to have our minds on him. He's going to get the glory. If you try to get the glory, you're going to be in problems. You're going to have problems. Don't try to get in the glory. Give all the glory to God. That's very important. Do you all remember a case? Let's look at it in in Acts chapter 12. Let's go over there. Where 
let's look at it in verse 1. Uh, where one apostle got killed and another one didn't. Now about the time Herod the king laid hands on some who belonged to the church in order to mistreat them, he had James, the brother of John, put to death by a sword. Do you believe that James had faith? Do you believe that he was a godly man? Yeah. When he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him uh, to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out before the people. So Peter was kept in prisoner, kept in prison, then it says, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church to God. Now, we could gain from this, we could, we, we could deduct from this that if the church is fervently praying, then God will move. We know that the church should fervently pray, don't we? We know that. But we're trying, what we're trying to do now is trying to help you not to um, get some false patterns or false assumptions and, and, and make some false deductions because I know I've done it. Because, see, the church was praying fervently on the very night when Herod was about to bring him forth, Peter was sleeping between the soldiers bound to his chain and the, and, the, and the guards in front of the door watching over the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared and the light shone in the cell. And he struck Peter's uh, side and woke him up saying, get up quickly. And his chains fell off in his, uh, of his hands. And the angel said to him, gird yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and continued to follow and did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought it was sin of, he was seeing a vision. And when they had passed the first and second guard that came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened uh, for them by itself, and they went out and went along the street, and immediately an angel departed from him. When Peter came to himself, he said, uh, now I know for sure that the Lord was, has sent me forth uh, with his angel, and he rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all the Jewish people, uh, from all that the Jewish people were expecting. And when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was also called Mom, where many, you say, well, okay, well, if the church is praying fervently, you don't have many. It might not work. You, you see how, how we try to, we, we see something and, and, and we say, oh, we're not. How many is many? We're gathered together and they were praying. When he knocked at the door of the gate, a servant girl named Rhoda came and answered. And when she recognized Peter's voice, uh, because of her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter was standing in front of the gate. Now, they, they said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was, it was so. They kept saying, it's his angel. Now tell me, if they were so faith-filled, <laughs> this, the church, the church, who was praying so fervently, why were they, why, why, why they praying fervently? Were they, were they saying, you know, they killed James. They're probably going to kill Peter, but let's pray. At least we'll look good. You think they were saying that? What do you think they were doing? Were they praying because they expected something to happen? Did they, did they, did they, have, did they have faith in God? What do you think? See, see when we read things, you say, well, 
Because I know, I know, <laughs> I know what we has been saying is that, okay, James was martyred. He was killed. But Peter, Peter was not because, why? The church was praying for Peter, but there's no record of the church praying for James. You see what I'm saying? Have you ever heard that before? You know, that's, 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 that's how we have, you know, can deduct out of this. That, and that's not true. Because, because you know that James had faith. We know that if you have faith in God, God can deliver you, can't he? Yeah, he can. Do you think that every time the church prays, that that means that nothing ever bad going to happen? If we have everybody's prayer request, then we can get everything that everybody wants. No. No. We're trying to help us as we go out so that we want, we want, um, you, you wouldn't believe the number of people that have told me about how the church, the church, not this church, the church, the church, universe all over the world, the church somewhere, the church, have hurt them. They've got hurt because of, of what the church did as far as in this area is concerned. And I'm trying to help us. That's all I'm trying to do. So you're saying, wait a minute. You start off the message, have faith in God. Do we have faith in God? And, you've, and, he, and the scripture said, have faith in God. Whatever you pray for, if you believe it without doubting, you have it. And it said that in, 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 in James 2, James chapter 1, it'll tell you, uh, when you fall in divers, uh, uh, temptations, then um, um, you know, be of good cheer, count all joy, because the trial of a faith works patience, doesn't it? If you, if you want wisdom, let him ask God. He'll give us, he gives us liberally and upbraideth not. He doesn't find fault. But let him ask in faith. Nothing doubt. And if you doubt, you're like a wave tossed to and fro. And, and obviously, don't think that man's going to get anything from God. So we know that we're supposed to have faith. So how are we going to do this thing? Because we, I don't want to get discouraged, uh, you know. Matter of fact, the scripture told, told me, and it's, it was talking about me. Uh, let's go to James. It was talking about me. It, it was telling me, he, and it's talking to you too, but he was talking about me. He was talking about Sam too. And he, he was talking about John also. So you're not out of the picture either. Okay? And, and, John, and, and in James chapter 5, verse 13, it says, Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. We know prayer is important. Is anyone cheerful? He must sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Oh. What does it say? Then he must call for the elders of the church. See, it's talking about me. It's talking about you, John. It's talking about you, Sam. Look up, Sam. It's talking about you. (laughs) And it says, And they are to pray over him, Ooh. anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in what? Faith, might, will restore the one who is sick. And the Lord, this say Sam, this say John, this say Will, the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your, confess your faults one to another so that you may be healed. The effectual prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. So uh, please don't take away that, hey, <laughs> the pastor said that uh, it's not by righteous, righteous, righteousness that anybody going to get healed anyway. Hey, we can be in sin. Hey, it's all sin and we pray for people and it, 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 it'll work too. No, no, you don't want to do that. That's not what it says. It says it's not by your holiness, it's not by your piety that somebody's going to get healed. Okay. Now, it says that 
Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Now, of course, we know that this was not done. Elijah was not doing this because Elijah said, you know what? I'm mad at a king, so therefore I'm going to fix him. It's not going to rain. He didn't do that, did he? All he was doing is doing what God told him to do. That's all he was doing. So don't think that we can just pray what we want to do. No, we need to pray what God gives us to pray. The word of God is something good to pray over people, the word of God. Should I have faith? Should John have faith? Should Sam have faith? With elders, should she have faith? Do y'all want to come? Do y'all want to say, well, the scripture says come to the elders and they'll pray for you. Uh, and I said, well, I don't have no faith. Don't come to me. What kind of, what kind of, what kind of elder would that be? Right. Well, if I'm supposed to have faith, I need to be trying to increase my faith, right? Then let me ask you something. Who is it up to for to come? You or us? Should we call for you? Hey, whoo, hey, whoo, are you? Come, come. Or did he say, if you're sick, call for the what? It didn't say uh, the elders are supposed to call for you, right? Okay. So it's going to take what? Faith on what? Your part. Your part also. It takes faith on our part too, doesn't it? Because if you come, we're supposed to pray over you, right? And I hope we don't have a theology. We don't have a theology, do we like that? Elder? You know, well, let me pray. I know nothing's going to happen, but let me pray. <laughs> see, we don't have a theology like that. See, we, we, we have to believe that God is going to be compassionate and meet your need. Because, why? Because the scripture says so in James. But it's not up to me. It's not up to Sam, it's not up to John to heal anybody, is it? No. So the, the Lord will raise him up. But I have to believe it. I have to believe it. So every time I pray, I have to believe that whatever I pray is going to happen. And I have to practice that too. So I know that, that Elijah prayed about the weather, but I also know that I'm going to pray for the weather. I'm going to pray what I believe that, that God will want. I pray every winter, every winter, that on, there is never will snow on Friday night, Saturday, because I know that people are not going to come to church on Sunday. I know it. All over Lynchburg. I know some churches are going to have service anyway, uh, especially they're on TV, they've got to have service anyway. Uh, but most churches won't have service. If it, some people, if, 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 if it's one flake fall, they're not coming out. So I pray there'll be no snow. And I, I, I had to change my tune. I had to change it a little bit. I had to alter it a little bit because I had people praying against my prayer. <laughs> So I changed it because I have a lot of teachers in, 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 in the congregation. And they wanted to pray. They, they wanted to snow. So they, they said, let us snow. Children want, well, let us snow. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I say, God, do not let us snow on Friday night, Saturday. But let us snow. If you want it to snow, let us snow on Sunday in the wee hours of the morning. You know, after, after Sunday night service, for some churches they have Sunday night service, after everybody's home, about 2 in the morning, let's just come on down. I mean, come on down. Five inches, I don't care. You know, so that the teachers and the, everybody can play in the snow. Right? So that they won't be playing against them because Stella's here playing against them. You know, so <laughs> <laughs> Do we believe God will answer prayer like that? 
Do you think he wants, he wants his, his house, that's supposed to be a house of prayer, his, to be open on Sunday? Sure. Do you think the enemy wants to sabotage Sundays? Absolutely. 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 So how am I going to believe? How, how, how am I going to operate knowing that there are so many variables in the scripture here, and I don't know all the variables. I know, and you know, that everybody that gets prayed for is not healed. You know that, don't you? We know that great men and women of God have died, and please don't say it's because they were in sin. You know, we just don't know it. No. No. I don't know why they died. I don't know why, you know, the plane fell and crashed and killed Man, woman of God. I don't know. I really don't know. I know God is good. So I'm not going. I'm not. I'm not going to say somebody that if they would have been doing this, they would have ended. And then, you know, this would have happened. No. What am I? What I am going to say? Let's end on da- in, in uh, Daniel. Let's just turn there. Let's end there. Chapter three, verse sixteen. This is the count. You remember, we, we, we've talked this before. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. Because, you know, concerning the matter of, of uh, what God's there going to deliver you out of my hands and all this stuff that he was talking about. In verse 17, I'll just read that. Probably not on PowerPoint because I didn't put that as one of the scriptures. If it is... If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. That is a statement of faith, is it not? And we can make that same declaration of faith. We can say, my God, whom I serve, He's able to deliver me. He's able to uh, get my son saved, my daughter saved. He's able to uh, restore my marriage. He's able to get me a job. He's able to do this because my God is a good God. And he will give me that job. He will heal our marriage. He will whatever it is you're praying for. You know, he will pay this bill I, I need. He will do something. We can say that, can't we? Because we've got to have faith in God. And we said from the New Testament, we've got to have faith in God. But verse 18 is important. But even if he does not, just, 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 even if he does not, we still are not going to serve your gods and worship the golden uh, image that you have set up. Even though, even though I don't, get what I want, even though this doesn't happen like I'm praying for, I'm still going to serve God. I'm still going to glorify his name. I still believe he's good. I still know that he heals, he delivers, he rescues, and he does, doesn't he? He does. Regardless of what, whether he did it or not, whether he did it or not, I'm going to serve him. See, that's what I believe. That's what I believe. And I believe that that we can stand before God in earnestness and saying, God, I had faith in you. I prayed for people as I went out. But whatever their felt need was, I prayed for them. I believe every single time that I prayed, I believe that you were going to answer them. I believe it. When you did, I glorified you. When you didn't, I glorified you. I'm going to glorify you anyway. Is it anybody here that really, uh, you know, you have, you have problems with any area, have a need of any area, but it hasn't been answered yet? Just because it hasn't been answered yet doesn't mean that it's not going to be answered either. Guarantee you. God 
does things when he wants to do them. He does. So just because you don't get an answer now, just keep your faith out there. Keep your faith out there. It's going to happen. Okay? Let's stand. I'm going to have a prayer team come up, please. The prayer team, they pray in faith. They, they believe every time they pray that something's going to happen. Something good's going to happen. Something good's going to happen. The greatest thing that you can pray for is for salvation of your soul. And if you're here today and you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, now is the time that you do that. Now is the time. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.